I'm thinking we should do a formal intro. Um, <laughs> so what I'm thinking of doing in the editing for this one, just a bit of inside sausage, is that earlier when I said, so I was thinking about starting with a bit of intro music and we could put it like here. I'm going to cut the intro music in there. And then whenever we go into the formal intro, then I'll start it from there. Right. So that it's a bit meta. What do you, wait, what do you mean by doing that? The intro music will go where? Right after I said I'm thinking that I might put some intro music here. Huh. And then like, I see, oh, oh yeah, okay, I see what you're doing. That, that'll do me for not paying attention. Welcome to the getgood.cg podcast. My name is Jaden and this is Chris. This is a Hi. podcast where two relatively stupid artists are talking about getting good and giving you absolutely solid advice on how to get a job in the games industry when, of course, wow. we do not have them. That's a bit self-effacing. Jaden, you know that you're the only idiot on this podcast. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> So how have you been, Chris? It has been a little while since we recorded last, just for a bit of how the how the pod is made. Um, so it's been interesting. Uh, there's been a lot of animating happening. There's been animated. Chris has been animating. School holidays happening because uh, my wife follows the school term, and so there's been a lot of distractions here at home. Uh, so though there's been a lot of animating, there's not necessarily been a lot of progress. <laughs> so uh yeah you, you get stuck in those like I don't, I don't know what the equivalent for an animator is but when i'm doing 3d you just spend half the time spitting around your model being like yes yeah i'm productive it's timeline scrubbing up yeah. down up down up down oh yeah it's looking just as good as the previous two hours <laughs> <laughs> oh that's always so stole destroying because i know deep down that that's a sign to move on to the next thing and it's just you just don't do it so you, yeah. you go spinning around your model for like half an hour and then go oh, i should do something okay all right i'll do something i'm gonna play overwatch spin, 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 spin. <laughs> alt is depressed yeah the <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the main thing that i find is that if i don't just get up and i don't go get a drink or do something else for five ten minutes then i just never proceed that's why we had that conversation in the productivity issue uh, episode about the uh timers mm. that's why i find them really helpful because they just sort of break you out of that because it's sort of like okay okay i've written it down it's the next thing yeah i just need to do something and if you're not gonna do that you might as well just get up and do something else yeah and i've been doing um an hour in the morning uh, uh, which is i was also talking about the productivity podcast of the power of just uh no matter what you've got on during that day just doing one hour of game art in the morning and even if i'm planning on doing game art you know later like the whole day i'll still do my hour of game art anyway in the morning and it basically just gives me an excuse to after that one hour's up, go and stretch my legs, go for a walk or, you know, play some games, yeah. have breakfast or whatever. Focus on your health or your mental health, as the case may be. Yeah, more or less. It's, a, yeah, a really powerful way to just be 
tr trick yourself into actually doing things instead of spinning around the model because you're like oh no i've got like one hour i've got to do this like you know i'll catch myself looking at my phone i'm like no i've got one hour and then i have to stop one hour and then i, I can play yeah i find i find the, the way that i can do that most effectively is normally actually set up at the end of the last time i was working on it because if i stop when i've finished something starting is like a thousand percent harder if I stop halfway through a problem, not only does my brain keep working on it next time, but you're not picking everything up. You're just trying to figure out where, where you were at uh, and finishing yeah. a process you've already established. And that's... So I actually really like to do two halves of a thing when I sit down, but two halves of two different things rather than one whole thing, but it right. equals a whole thing over time. Yeah, I hate it when like you put something down and then plot twist, you can't go back to it for like a week and then you open it up and it's just like you know even it's a blender file it's just covered in dust and you're like oh what <laughs> where was this what what was i doing here you just can't remember what the heck you were doing well that's that's why i've got a notebook next to me at literally all times because then i just write down the next thing i was going to do is and do you actually look back at that i leave it open on the bench i'll take that <laughs> as a sometimes <laughs> yeah it's uh okay i'll admit it it's it doesn't always happen that way but it's it's more likely than not that i'm gonna you know figure out how to do it because i know that that's like a reference manual if i get lost yeah yeah. I actually, one thing i didn't talk about in the productivity episode was that i use um sticky notes like tabs and I actually write down the next few steps I'm going to take on my on those tabs, and then I stick them along the edge of my monitor, and then as I do them, I take those tabs off. That's a pretty good idea. I might give that a try. It's really cool. You get the long ones, like the little like ones that you use for bookmarks. Yeah. And then you write down, like for instance, right now on my workstation, I've got one that says, clean, clean spine keys, Stomach group locator, motion trails, and head polish. <laughs> yeah, right. That's really good. Um, and then as I get through those steps, I just rip the thing off, scrunch it up, and throw it away. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not the most, let's be honest, it's not the most ecologically friendly version of doing it, but I need, you know, visual cues like that. Because you're a visual Sorry. learner. <laughs> I am a visual learner. I'm an artist and... That is how I prefer to progress. <laughs> so this, um, so these methods have they um, have they helped you result in any sort of artwork recently? Actually, yeah, <laughs> I actually did get like not the not definitely not the longer form shot that I was working on that I might have mentioned on the pod before, but I did get a shot out polished and posted to all my socials that I plan to put in my showreel when it's come together. So And what are your socials? <laughs> right now? Uh yeah, I'm animator Chris anywhere that you can find me on the internet. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> uh and so can you talk a little bit about this animation that you've done? Uh not a lot there, if I'm honest, because the uh the idea for it at the moment was to get something out so 
the shot that I was working on was very ambitious and I was getting very frustrated with it mm. and it had taken away, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast or not, but quick wins, quick wins are very important to keep you motivated and moving. Mm. And so I shelved what I was working on and I just started a new, just quick game animation. It's a, it's a dive roll. Uh, where he sort of starts from a particular position and he just dives forward, does a complete roll and then comes back to a standing position Uh, Uh, and took me about a week and a half. (laughs) Yeah, I'm watching it now. It's pretty all right. I am horrible at animating, so I'm impressed. Yeah, (laughs) well, thank you. Uh, It's it's not much, but uh, it is something that gave me the confidence that I could take something through to a finished state mm. and I even rendered it. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think it's really good for you to to have something for you to compare yourself to because you, you clearly have a lot of artistic and technical knowledge, but your knowledge or your experience in getting from start to finish is not as high as your knowledge in you know, artistically and technically, so you can understand how things are done. But you know, it's probably yeah, very frustrating no, I, I, for I you to to not really to to be like, I know how to do these. I know how what makes it look good, and I know I have the technical technical knowledge of doing it. But you just can't really get it done. So building up this sort of knowledge of just getting things done and getting things out will be a good way for you to sort of move forwards and compare yourself. And that's definitely why I did it because I was feeling a little bit trapped in that learn as much from you can learn as much from a piece of work as you can to the point where you realize all the stuff you've done wrong and have to start again because you can't take it through to a finished point. Yeah, yeah. And so the practice of just finishing it, regardless of the quality, was uh, it's really hard to say. Um, how much you actually learn from something, especially when the result isn't too much and or it's too, uh, it's not too impressive in the abstract. But it was important for me to get that, get that uh, particular animation out because it it not only does it give you the confidence that you can do that thing if you put the time into something a bit more ambitious, but it also sort of gets you moving on the entire pipeline right up until sharing it. Yeah, yeah, and it becomes less of as you go through these things it will be about you know learning more technical things and learning more artistic things but it will be come down to you more of fleshing out your workflow in starting and finishing yeah yeah certainly and like i for instance i i even emailed somebody this morning it's somebody who i sort of followed a lot of their work on linkedin and i emailed them because it it just, it, I had a question for them. I want to be like, what, what are you looking for? Like what, as an animator, what are you putting into your portfolio and what are you looking for as a lead when you're seeing portfolios? Like what, what are you actually getting and what are you actually looking for? Because that's the thing. You can have as much academic knowledge. You can have as much expectation, um, of what people might want. Mm. But at the end of the day, if you don't have experience in the industry, 
that you're trying to get into, and in this case, it's game animation, you don't really know the nuances of what they're looking for, which means that you, you're trying to meet a bar that is as high as your imagination can make it without any specifics. Yeah, yeah. you need some boundaries to help limit yourself and guide yourself. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's actually a pretty good way to sort of highlight what our topic is today, and that is uh, portfolios and maybe a bit of social media if we have time. Yeah, because uh, today, as we're recording this, is hashtag Portfolio Day. Hashtag Portfolio Day. As you, as you mentioned. And we thought it would be kind of fun to go through and talk about whether or not your portfolio, the work that you put out, your showreel, the stuff that you're applying to jobs off needs to be specialized or it needs to be generalized. Yeah. And I think this is a really good topic for a lot of people that... Like, not only like us, but just people that want to go for their first job. Yeah, so this is one of those ones where moving industry and being a beginner artist sort of coincide because you you know just as little as each other. Mm. And I think... How, how do I put this? The, the trap people get into is thinking... I need to be a generalist or a specialist when, and this is coming from my, I used to teach digital media at a university brain. Cause I had a lot of students who would come to me and they'd be like, Oh, do I need to specialize? And do I need to generalize? And my answer was yes. Because do I need to do this or this? Yes. Pretty much <laughs> because the idea is you're supposed to be diverse. People want somebody who, if they bring, a job to them they're not gonna be like oh hang on you know this isn't what i do i'm an animator are you expecting me to do rigging you know like they want to hire somebody who's gonna just be yes but they also want somebody who is a topic expert in the thing that they're hiring them to do the job for and the expectation does change depending on the type of work you're going for because if you're a freelancer, for instance, they probably have less experience. This is a generalization based on the freelance that I've done. I know that some studios do sort of service work freelance, and I'd probably call that a different thing. But if you're doing independent freelance in CG, you're probably looking at somebody who is less familiar with the pipeline. Yeah. And they will expect you to do and know more. And if it's not something that you can do, they'll expect you to be able to at least advise on what they need to do in order to get the next step going. Yeah, I I think that you and I have both decided to specialize, but I don't think that is always the case for everybody. And I th- there's a lot of uncertainty around cg in terms of what the industry is going to look like in five years or ten years because do you remember when you and i first met the workflows were at least the mainstream completely workflows, different yeah completely different subs was like i remember hearing about substance being like what's a substance you know i, I had <laughs> i mean P- no pbr was. was the new kid on the block i'm pretty sure we've covered that on the pod before a little bit but yeah the main point there is that everybody's been looking down this AI, you know, barrel for the last however many years, and we're only actually starting to see 
a lot of automation come into this stuff, and a lot of jobs that used to exist don't really exist in the sense that they did before, even if they have the same title, because a lot of software autom automation is taking those roles. It either takes those roles, or it completely cuts down the labor or resources needed for it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it turns something that might have been a month-long enterprise into something that can be done over a week. Yeah. And do you need to employ somebody specifically to do that anymore? Or you can, can you just retrain somebody that you have already? Yeah. And it's, you know, you, like you, you no longer need a team of 20 people. You need a team of three people or, you know, whatever that may be. It probably Which is an fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic for the democratization of access to these tools, but it's terrible when it comes to like jobs and wage expectations and all that sort of thing. Cause General security, a, yeah. Yeah, you get put in a position where a lot of people can do what you're doing, so you have to do it either a lot better or a lot quicker. Yeah, and I think this is probably going to go off a little bit off topic, but something that you and I had talked privately about was the importance of not just learning the tool, but learning the art form. Because if you learn the art form and you really master that art form, that the tools can change so much, but you can always just readapt and apply your artistic knowledge to whatever the function is of those new tools. Yeah, so it comes down to you being, you existing as a craftsperson outside of the tool that you use. So animation's a really handy example for that. It gets a bit more complicated when you're doing things that are a bit more software specific like rigging, but yeah. animation specifically, if you understand the principles of animation, you just need to figure out where all the buttons are in a software and you can apply those principles. And that's still not something that computers can just generate out of whole cloth. Like there's a lot of really cool stuff going on with like blending motion capture data and that sort of thing, but it still requires somebody with that animator's eye to come in and clean it up and sort of spruce it up a bit. I guess that's a, quest the interest. a question of to animators want to sort of spend a lot of their time doing uh, mocap cleanup. It's a different job, and that comes back down onto the under the sort of title. The title may change, but the sorry the the title would stay the same, but the job itself may change. And a lot of the time, and this this would be a topic for another time, but a lot of the time, I would recommend to people who asked me when I was in that tutoring position, I would recommend they actually get a good look at what the job looks like. The title means nothing. Yeah, definitely. At one company, any one job could be any different job just under the same title. And it varies a lot more widely depending on the type of position it is. Mm, yeah. And so I think in terms of specialize, yeah or nah, <laughs> um, it, I think it, it honestly it just comes down to whatever you want to do. If you kind of just love 3D and you're like sort of being like, ooh, this is fun, you know, like... Uh, kid in a candy store or you're like at a buffet or something and you just really like doing those sorts of things then that can be a really great thing because when the industry makes these lateral shifts in terms of technology and ai uh i think there's it's a sort exciting of exciting for you at that point because yeah. you can say hey that's a great tool i'm gonna adopt that yeah and then sort of like figure out which jobs your skill set can be applied to yeah. which is the other way around to being an animator 
and looking for animation jobs because you're an animator. Mm. And I think there's a there's a bit of a Darwinian sort of reference or quote to that, and it's not I'm not quoting it exactly, but in times of change, the hybrids uh, come out on top, or the hybrids survive. The the most adaptable. The most adaptable, the, yeah. You know, propagate because it's like you can complain like do you remember at the very beginning of facebook when all the cool kids were using it mm-hmm. they would change something in the AI, in the ui and then there'd be all these groups that popped up on facebook that uh-huh. would like, change facebook back and they didn't understand oh, yeah, yeah yeah and they didn't understand the irony of the fact that they were using a facebook function to complain about facebook yeah yeah they uh what was it like the function had changed and the way that they were able to be so noisy about what they're disgruntled about is the change that they're complaining about yeah and (laughs) i remember that that was always the example i used for that because it was you're not gonna change progress you're not gonna change change you coming from me this is a it's a little bit of a hypocritical statement because i know my natural inclinations <laughs> your natural incl- inclination is to just hiss in the corner every time someone suggests change i'm v- i'm very traditional once i've learned <laughs> something i like to stay having learned it mm. um i do like learning but i like adding bells and whistles not fundamentally changing the way i do something yep and the problem with that mindset and what I constantly have to work on is stuff changes anyway. You're not going to stop it. Like the world is an ocean, not a plane, you know, learn to embrace it, man. (laughs) It's always going to be undulating. It's always going to be changing Yeah. to survive. You need to be a a boat floating on top of those waves, not somebody sort of like putting an anchor down and just hoping that it's long enough, you know? Yeah. And I think for generalists, when when you're in that situation, it's really good for you because you can make these shift, shifts laterally. But here's the downside: is that when you want to break into an industry, in, into the industry, it's far harder for you to distinguish yourself from all the people that are niching into the specialist fields, into into all of the applications so say you know a bit of character you know a bit of animation and some environments and trying to apply across all of those fields you're competing against all the people that specialize in that which is extremely difficult for you but you know you kind mm. of have the last laugh at them when eventually you do get in you... and you know all the newer the newer toolkits you know all of the new um oh. okay schools have a big influence on this if it's a good school you know what's actually happening in the industry and you'll actually be fresher than the people who have been in the industry for 20 years and you'll be able to bring in those new perspectives and that's that's your value mm. if you went to a bad school <laughs> yeah then you won't know you'll have whatever you know frederick von musen the one actual working animator who works at your college like who left the industry when disney was still in florida like yeah it's it's gonna be interesting and you're gonna learn a lot but it's not gonna be applicable to the job you're doing yeah and so the power of the generalist is being a generalist and i don't think a lot of people lean into that a lot but even to get into those generalist positions where people see that value you need to specialize and that's where you know should i specialize or generalize yes comes in 
you need to sort of know everything, but you need to be able to do something well. Yeah. And that's where get, getting good comes in. You actually have to sit down and do the work. Like, yeah. if I was in a consultant position where I knew 100%, I didn't have to do any of the actual work, I would be very comfortable going in at a very high level in any of these studios because I know a lot about this stuff because I research it. I information gather. Yeah. What I can't do is prove it. (laughs) Which is what we were sort of talking about before before with you having the technical and artistic knowledge, but less of the pipeline. Yeah. And so it's, it's almost like a, I hate the phrase, doing your dues because it's very like corporate and ladder climbing bootstrappy kind of but yeah irritatingly there's truth to it yeah i think it's more important to say you need to respect the field you're in you can know a lot about it but you need to show respect to the people who can do it by sort of being able to do it at a certain level before you start coming in and telling them that you know a better way you know yeah 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 but i yeah i think for if you want to specialize that that's a whole different kettle of fish don't you think because if you want to try and get into you know the industry as a special as a specialist it's Mm. it will be easier for you compared to you know jimmy from down the road who is trying to generalize but then all of a sudden you are far more restricted in terms of the jobs available to you. Mm. Well, here's what I think. I think specialization comes from experience. So I think there's actually a third thing. It's not just generalization or specialization Mm. because specialization is when you've been doing the same thing for 20 years and you know it inside and out. And people have confidence that if they give you that job, you can do it. Generalization, the way people see it, a lot of the time, and we've we've been guilty of it in the last 20 minutes, <laughs> you just assume the generalization is for a beginner. For somebody coming through, somebody who's coming from another industry or somebody who's coming up as a student. Whereas somewhere in the middle there, there's the decision of whether or not you are a specialist or a generalist. And to make that decision, you have to already have a breadth of work. So I think it's less about generalization or specialization and more about getting to a point where you have work and you have done enough work to know what you're good at and what you're most comfortable with. Getting then you're not good. just yeah, you're not you're not throwing a dart at the dartboard. You're saying, "I found that really easy. I found that really hard. So I'm going to to turn a adjective into a verb. Yeah. Specialize in this direction." Yeah, and I think that and yeah, I, th- I just think it's a, I think it's a failure of the terminology. Yeah, and I think that the the power of going to a, a college or a school. Um, really helps you to decide if you want to specialize or if you want to generalize in your portfolio because yes. you you don't have a choice in whether or not you get exposed to character everything. art or yeah everything you're going to get exposed to it whereas if you 
go and do Blender Guru's Donut tutorial and then, you know, the algorithm just kind of takes you down into, I don't know, ArcViz and you just end up doing ArcViz because that's just everything, the algorithm shoved in your face. Uh, not to say that that's what, you know, people that learn online do, but you're... I think there's enough material for us to cover in-person school versus online school eventually because I have done both and I think you can throw in self you know what is self-directed learning versus school learning I was actually thinking earlier today we should do a pod on is school or self-directed learning better and for for the algorithm as you say that's a good title but I think I'm probably going to take a middle middle road there as well um but to your point uh the immersion that you get from a brick and mortar school or somewhere that has a bit of that higher intensity, Mm. that is something that you cannot replicate. And that's, that's something that is really important, whether you get it from just jumping in the deep end and getting a job in the field and figuring out how to swim as you're there. Yeah. Or if you're getting that from a good school that creates that similar intensity with a few more safety nets, Mm. That gives you the ability to be like, actually, I enjoyed all of it and I understand all of it and I can do all of it. That's generalization, which is fun because it's like, actually, it just means you're pretty diverse. Specialization is actually, you know, what rigging blows my biscuit and I can't script for the life of me, but this character art thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just something that really comes down to the individual. Like, do you are you really passionate about doing 3D characters or are you the sort of person that just wants to keep, you know, stay in flavor town and, you know, do a little, try, try and <laughs> try, keep things fresh. Try a fresh. little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Are you at the buffet or are you ordering off the menu? When you go <laughs> to the gelato shop, do you go and order the thing you order every time? Or do you go, can I have a taste of this? Can I have a taste of this? Uh, can I have a taste of this? And then you eventually settle for one or three different flavors. The elephant in the room that we haven't addressed yet is what if you don't know? Like, what if you get in there and you're trying all this stuff and you're doing all this stuff and you come out the other side and everything was, you know, kind of, kind of okay. Ooh, that's a tough question. I don't know. You know, like you can see yourself in any position and nothing actively repelled you. I think that's a, a indication of a generalist. You think so? I think so. You know, if you try a bunch of things out and you generally enjoyed it all, but nothing, you know, what, no one thing in particular stuck out to you, then see, see, I'll push back on that. I think that's the seed of a specialist because if you don't absolutely have to be doing any of it, none of it really repels you. You are not going to feel like you're missing out on anything if you specialize. I feel like maybe maybe another point of that would be they they just need to go a little bit you know try a few more things maybe because CG is well, a massive field so they just need is. to go they, they they're enjoying CG generally but they just still haven't found that thing that's really going to just yeah, grab and, them and pull them and so so obviously what I'm avoiding there is saying that like oh well maybe it's just not for you because we're, we're assuming that like so many people, you've gotten into CG and it's like, yes, I want to be, I want to be in this. I want to be associated with this. But to your point that you brought up earlier, is it CG that you're interested in, interested in, or is it art or is it, 
you know, the moving image or is it advertisement? Because it is so, so many things. So many things. Like, if you like storytelling, that's not just in CG. And then there's like, you know, you're doing CG and then you stumble across motion graphics and, you know, logo motion graphics or something like that. And then you go, oh, this is kind of cool. And then you go deeper into that. And then you discover graphic design and you're like, damn, you know, graphic design's my passion. And yeah. you download a bunch of fonts and, I don't know, Comic Sans your way to the top. <laughs> Here's Jaden trying to figure out what it's like to be a graphic designer <laughs> on the fly. Uh, the, the, the takeaway, I think, is that you don't know until you've been there. So you shouldn't try to specialize or generalize until you've sort of played around a little. And I think there's this exploratory phase that everybody's trying to skip where it's just... Yeah, try specialization. Yeah, try generalization. Try everything. Mm. And then just see if something actually lights you on fire. Because I think that coming back from that to the passion dimension, it's like saying that, okay, so what are you passionate about? It's a really unhelpful question. Because it's like, how do you know? Have you done everything? Yeah, it's like, well, if you... I think typically, it's like, if you were passionate about something, then you wouldn't need to be asked because you would be doing that thing that you're passionate about. Yeah, and so I think this very question comes from people like you and I who have this much deeper, not deeper as in sort of buried, not deeper as in more profound, but there's this feeling of interest and, you know, flow state that you get when you get involved with all of this stuff, but no particular actual active thing that you do is that thing it's more about just being immersed in it and being surrounded by it and learning more about it and so it's it has to be more of a practical decision rather than being guided by passion and that's really where the that's what really where the uh, uh when the specialization and the generalization argument breaks down a little bit because if you have a passion passion is going to be specialized if you don't have a passion you can still do really good work. Your passion could be 3D generally, you know? And it could just be a- something actually that I was talking to my wife about this week is that what you enjoy doing might also not necessarily be what you're best at. Yes, that is very true. But here, here is my question. Here's a question to you. And this might be a bit of a question that you can sort of, you know, uh, relate to a little bit. And if what happens if you're passionate about something and then you find yourself becoming less passionate or less interested in that and something mm. something else and you've already invested a bunch of time into this first passion? Well, on the do? very face of it, I would say that that's sunk cost fallacy. Do you know what sunk cost fallacy is? How about you explain for the audience because I definitely know <laughs> what that is. You definitely know and I'm just going over old ground. Yeah, yeah. I've it's, heard you talk yeah. about this before, but I haven't, I haven't actually known the proper definition. So go on. I know I'm just I'm just busting your chops. Yeah. The it's not actually that widely known. It's it's just very popular in the spaces like CG and like project driven development, where you say I've spent so long and so much money on this thing that it has to work because if it doesn't work, then I wasted all that time and money. Uh yeah. And so what you're actually better off doing, the right thing to do exists somewhere else. 
and the least wasteful of resources is to stop now and head in that new direction. But you've already put so much into this direction that you feel bad about abandoning it. But whereas what you've actually done is you've used those resources to gain the certainty that this isn't working. Yes. And that certainty is valuable. If you go if you go down a direction and you say, actually, you know what? My passion for this is flagging and I don't have enough oomph left to, to bring it home and I'm not actually enjoying it. Stop. <laughs> like what you you have justified that. You have if you've tried everything you can think of and it's still not working, mm. congratulations, you've done science. <sighs> like the, if you're honest with yourself and you've done everything that you can do, pivot. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Try something new. But what do you don't feel bad about so, it. You've got the rest of your life. So what happens if you get into a stage of crisis where you still really like this thing, but then there's this other thing that you also really like and you just can't pick between them. You f- you feel like you have to pick between them. What do you do? Do you I've always do, found say you want to do character a... art and environment? Do you pick between them or do you say, okay, it's going to take me a bit longer to get good, but I will... Yeah develop those concurrently i i I have a very unhelpful answer to this because it sounds easy and i say it flippantly because to me it's the mode that i've gotten into but i understand that it's very hard to just do if you've never done it before and the answer is pick one you can't focus on two things i get that you want both you've got all you've got all the time you're ever going to have just pick one and validate because one of them might be wrong. One of them might not be the thing that you want to do. If you pick the right one, congrats. If you pick the wrong one, then you've figured it out all the sooner and you can focus on the other one. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is with CG, the so much of the things that you're learning, you, you might not realize it at first, but a lot of that information is really transferable, whether it's technical or artistic. So if you develop yourself as a character artist and go, oh, maybe I want to be an environment artist, you can actually make those uh, lateral shifts a lot easier than you think because you've already developed yourself further as an artist and you've already become more familiar with your software. Mm. And that's another topic I want to cover in the pod at some point is how to rehabilitate a skill set because that's actually what I'm going through at the moment. I've got... So we're both a, doing, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a background in advertising animation like uh, creating advertising campaigns and graphics and that sort of thing and i've got a portfolio in that i cannot use that to get jobs where i want to be right now none of it is applicable yeah all of the skills apply all of the, kn- the knowledge and learning it's all applicable but it's just not what people want to see and it's not demonstrated instance, in your portfolio yeah yeah and uh, for instance like i do occasionally just shoot off uh applications two jobs that I think I could get something out of just, just on a whim if I see them come up. And I did that this morning and I realized that it was a lead animator position, but I met all of the selection criteria. And sometimes I forget that I've done this stuff, that I can do this stuff and I have the confidence that I can do this stuff. And that I even have the proof that I can, cause I've done it before because it's not actually where I want to be. I have changed my mind. I'm moving in another direction. And that's, that's, it's a helpful reminder. Like if I ended up in that position, 
I have no doubt that I could do the work, but I have the confidence to know it's not where I want to end up long term. So I know where to put my effort, you know? Yeah, because you've been, you know, you and I have been CG adjacent for long enough now. And we've been going through this exploratory phase where fairly early on, you knew you wanted to be an animator. And (laughs) over time, you have been very flip floppy in what you want to do. But as well, you go, th- as you go through this this exploratory phase, you've further distilled down, or at the very least, reinforced to yourself that what you really want to do is not just animating generally, but character animating for games. Yeah, and, and that's that's a big more part importantly of... storytelling. I think yeah. I think if I boiled it down to one thing, it would be I want to tell stories with animation and. That's why I always end up in these monkey's paw situations where you get exactly what you want, but in the worst possible way. Because advertising is the very act of storytelling with animation. It's saying, hey, you're a cool, happening, modern individual and you want this product because it solves that problem I've just told you you have. But it kind of feels a bit like... It's manipulative. All, All communication is manipulative. People have a different bar to what they feel is fulfilling. Some people get into those positions and they feel like they're making a difference. They believe in the product and they feel like they're in a flow state and that that's what they want to do for the rest of their lives. I do not take anything away from them. I just am not one of them. <laughs> yeah. And one of my one of my lecturers at uni, I think I was in second year, he was teaching us about sustainability and he was he was on like this rant in a lecture one time where he was talking about propaganda and it's like, there's no such thing as truth. Everything is propaganda. Like what I'm telling you now, it's propaganda, but anything else you learn, it's all going to be propaganda. Um, it's, everything's it's all going to be pushed opinion. on somebody's opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an, it is, is an agenda that is not your own that somebody is trying to convince you of. So unless it's coming from you, it's an external piece of information. If it's been successful and if it's been successful propaganda, that's when you start propagating somebody else's agenda. I mean, communication exists what... in so many things. You know, even in you know Star Wars, can... it's a different kind, but it's trying to get you to suspend your disbelief of laser sword space Nazi wizards. Exactly, and you know what the worst thing is in children's books, like the children's picture books. What didacticism, which means getting up on your soapbox and trying to teach the kids something. Because I, I actually talked to a publisher one time because I was investigating maybe being a children's book illustrator and I was I was really interested in the whole thing. But they said, we get so many submissions, either for writing or for the, the illustrations or for both, that we just reject out of hand because they're not telling a story. It's just somebody who hates the way kids are at the moment who comes through and they really? say... I've got a story about how kids shouldn't litter or I've got a story about how they should listen to adults more or I've got a story about, you know, how what they're doing is wrong and they should change it and this is the best medium I could think of to change the world towards my values. Wow. I I, yeah. I did not expect that at all. <laughs> that is really and, incredible that people actually very frequently try and do that because they're just what they're they're just annoyed by some kid well it's not some kid it's it's they're like i could be a children's book illustrator they see the books that are around 
Actually, I should say a children's book creator because it gets a bit screwy in there because a lot of people are just doing work for hire and that sort of thing. But the person driving the story, they come in and they're like, you know what kids need more of? This thing that I love. Right, I see. And everything she pushed forward has a story and it could be, you know, slightly assonant or allegorical, but anything that got through was de- was like they had taken the didactic knob and turned it down like 1100% because people come in on these soapboxes and they just want to tell kids what to do. Kids aren't going to read that. Yeah. And like, it's this really interesting balance because there's gatekeepers on that industry. There are, there's the librarians and there's the parents. You have to get through the librarians and the parents to get, get to the kids. The kids aren't the ones buying it. So what you have to do is you have to get the adults to buy the book and then the kids to read the book. Yeah. And so you end up trying to appeal to the parents in what they feel like their kids need and then giving the kids what they want, which is just, you know, toilet humor uh-huh. m- most of the time. <laughs> yeah. But a- adults want to tell kids what to think. And that's the number one way to make a flop because kids don't want to be told what to think. They want you to be on their side. And the reason I told that diversion is that it's the same everywhere people want you to think something and people rebel against that and that's that is the inherent issue with telling a story that is didactic and that's why i don't like advertising which i understand which i can do but i know it's not for me and that's 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 a specialization that i am moving away from yeah so if you come back in and you say i am a specialist then you're not only a specialist in that thing, or you don't have to only be a specialist in that thing. It just means it's a skill set that you're across. Mm. So specialization nests inside of generalization. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think the like we were saying before, the the way you get to specialization is to just, you know, that phrase that you that, that is kind of annoying and just pay your dues and uh, to to go through and do that and sort of really discover things that you will be passionate about you know your passion could just be cg more generally but for the experience of you and i we've we've gone through and we've done a lot of different stuff in Mm. art and we have kind of gone okay i want to be an environment artist i want to be a character animator uh, sorry uh, i want to be an animator and then we sort of go in towards those fields a bit more and then you realize that even within that field there is just so much uh it is so broad within animation and so broad with environment art of you know what sort of environment art do you want to do do you want to do stylized do you want to do realistic do you want to focus on more like terrains or interiors or whatever and in character mm-hmm. uh, sorry in animation you've got like characters advertising uh i don't know vehicle animation <laughs> I, d- I don't know what animators do yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the t- a lot of the time with animation it's more you are an animator for an industry and in that industry, things that move are your purview. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what you and I have been doing over the last, what, how many years now? Five years? Six years? Really just trying yeah. to figure out what it is we want to do. And I think, I don't know about you, but I've known for the last five or six years, but I, I still don't know why, but I've kind of just gone whoop, whoop, like in a circle, just... Just going well, and doing other things for I don't God knows why. I think just to kind of explore them and 
hope that it also comes down to opportunity. Yeah, and that's something that I think these questions are good at bringing up is what is it about your circumstances that either makes it easier or harder to get where you want to go and how is that affecting you because we have inherent privilege by who we are and where we've come from that makes it easier for us to do what we want to do and even ask those questions beyond what somebody else might struggle for which is i don't know i have i have a lot of parental support with what i do some people might not have that or some people don't even have access to a computer or the internet Exactly, which which completely removes this ability from them, even if it's something that they would have otherwise been mm. passionate about. But it's it's even more subtle than that. There's the big stuff. There's like the in and then there's the out. But then once you're in, there's the small stuff that's like, are you in a supportive environment? Are you able to do the thing you want to do at a fast enough rate to get those quick wins because your computer is old and doesn't do it very well, you know? Yeah. Or did you learn the wrong software? And then you know what? On top of that, that the layer that we are currently bouncing off of or just failing to break through in, there's a layer on top of that, which is social media. <laughs> it's like... Pandemic. <laughs> yeah, pandemic. But no, there's there's social media where it's like, okay, cool, you've got this great sort of portfolio how do you get it out there? Mm. Sure, you can apply to jobs directly. But one of the, a, a really great way to open yourself up to new jobs is to have a decent enough following on social media. And so. And I suppose, I suppose beyond social media, the actual problem is visibility. Mm. Because with the democratization of all these tools and workflows, a lot more people are trying. And with more people comes more noise and then harder visibility. The visibility means that what you're trying to do is being the loudest person in the room with something to back it up. And just before we move on to the social media thing, there was something that I wanted to circle back around to. And that was that when you're trying to specialize or generalize, you really have to keep yourself in an exploratory state without expectation. Cause you don't, you don't know until you, you do know. Ex- be a small you set. don't know until you know. And the thing that can happen, judging by your last question, which we sort of tangented a little bit, I just wanted to finish that off by saying, you can kill passion. Mm. If you put too much expectation on it, if you're not seeing enough success, if you get what you want, but in the worst possible way, but you keep doing it because you sacrifice so much to be there, mm. you can kill it. And sometimes it won't come back or sometimes it'll take years to get it back. Yeah. I've had that happen. I'm lucky enough to have had enough support that I didn't feel like it was impossible to get back to that point, but I have had, you know, episodes where I haven't felt that positive about the entire journey. Mm. And that's because you put yourself in this position where for me, a lot of it was expecting to have a higher a higher skill set that was able to be paid more for because the skill set was higher. You know, like you have this expectation that because you can do it, people will pay you for it and you'll be able to make a living off it. Mm. And and that kind of it's along the lines of a future podcast that you want to do, which what was it? Uh, reigniting or sort of relearning skills. Rehabilitating a skill set. Rehabilitating rehabilitating a skill set where 
it can take you so long to get back to it where you just need to feel like you you've got to rebuild yourself from the ground up again yeah especially when the the tools are changing all the time yeah because if you stop if you stop using it you do have to relearn it because the tools and the workflow change coming back to yeah. where we were talking about at the beginning yeah. where it's just different uh, you have to relearn and you have to keep going and you have to have the confidence that as long as you stay in it you can evolve and get somewhere with it and that's the same with social media it keeps changing what works one week might not work the next week and yeah being the, the guy who does a bit it, of the you know, yeah spiced I know you up. Hate the algorithm but, but, but being the guy who does the socials for the podcast, I thought you might be in a bit of a better position to speak a little bit on sort of social media and how that's that affects the visibility of not only your art, but also stuff like this where you have something to say, mm. but you don't know how to get it out to somebody who might want to hear it. Because something that I heard on a podcast the other day that I listened to was that advertising should not be in any way giving people things that they don't want and convincing them that they want them. It should be the act of finding the people who actually want to be talked to and talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think so for, what is it? We've been doing this podcast for what, a month now. About a month. Yeah. 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 I think for about a month now and long pause brain is farting. I've, I've learned like uh, we, we semi grew up on social media and I, I feel like I've always had a pretty good sort of knowledge on how to operate and work my way around social media, but I've never really tried to gain a large following. I, I've sort of started to dabble in that maybe earlier this year or late last year or something like that, but I never really seriously committed to it as much as I am with this Get Good podcast. And I've always known that it's hard and that's sort of what's put me off it for a long time. But yeah. the commitment to this podcast has it has really it has really demonstrated just how difficult it is to to generate a following on social media and how important it is to put yourself out there on as many platforms, as many groups as humanly possible. Because what I what I've previously been doing on all my social media for, for artwork is you now I post like a bit of art on i don't know uh instagram art station <clears throat> twitter and maybe like one or two subreddits or facebook groups or whatever uh to make this podcast you know much more worthwhile worthwhile i was i took some advice that i'd heard a while ago which was put your art everywhere every corner of the internet that you can find or think of putting your artwork or links to do that and so uh, I, I'm starting to slowly build up a bunch of tabs, uh, like pre-saved tabs on my internet browser of where I just open it and it just goes automatically to all of these Facebook groups and automatically to all of these subreddits and I just start posting it in there. Uh, and I really learned the value in this after the last podcast because I... I was really surprised and so were you with how, how decently well this podcast was going because we were like, oh yeah, we might get five views over a month and you know, we're not exactly stellar. <laughs> I don't think, I think our highest viewed video is 190 something. So it's not like incredible, but it's more than what we were expecting. Uh, I was surprised by it. And what really reinforced that 
value of posting things everywhere is when the last the last video in terms of getting it out on time was a bit of shenanigans uh and i wasn't able to uh post it everywhere that i could and i don't know if you've looked at this but that video has really bombed because i just didn't have the time to post it everywhere on social media and that's kind of what kicked me into gear to go okay I'm going to start building up these tabs that are where I just click a button and it just opens up all of these tabs because removing the hurdles, removing those hurdles, you know, removing that friction, removing those hurdles, because it really demonstrated to me that like, wow, okay, that podcast really did not do well. And if, if we want it to make this podcast succeed, but not only the podcast, but just art more generally, you need to put it out every bloody corner of the internet that you possibly can and, and not only that but build build expectation because the consistency is very important totally as well. totally yeah not only does the algorithm respect that but people do as well because they want they want to be respected they want the time to be respected and they want to have adequate expectations and that's it's actually why we do we really would like anybody who's following the podcast to leave comments and to you know act, actively engage with us because we are here to sort of build a bit of community around the muddy middle of CG. We yeah. would really like to turn that into an actual community and movement. So reach out to us and we'd be happy to talk to you about it. Because it's not just about this podcast and finding success for it. It's about how to navigate the current online landscape and how to promote your work. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's what this segment of the podcast is really about: is how to you've got you've got the portfolio, you've got the art, it's stellar, but how do you put it out there? You know, you could start applying for jobs, and you know that's all well and good to do that, but putting it out there on the internet just takes you to another level of just proficiency, proficiency. and visibility. Yeah, visibility, and it really just so dramatically increases your chances of getting work. And I think. You know, it's something I've always known about, but someone that really drilled at home was one of the guys on Flips Normals. Uh, I was listening to their podcast for a little bit. Really good podcasts if you guys want to go check them out. And one of them was talking about uh, he he had had job offers um, because he would be doing art, even if it wasn't that good, and he'd be posting it in every single place that he could. And he'd apply for a job and then he'd get a job i can't i can't remember what the exact story was but he'd have people the power of oh i've seen your work yeah the the power of people being like oh yeah you're familiar yeah yeah i've you're that guy you're the you're the creature guy you're the character guy or you're the you know slightly sexy mario guy (laughs) yeah yeah and so it's oh there's this there's like this rule of nature. I can't remember what it's called, but Fibonacci. No, it's not that. It's this rule where people who have more thing, the more things, will get even more things because the power of having started. It's 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 overcoming that friction. Yeah. It actually forms into something that I wanted to to say on this is that nothing gets you going like getting going because just having had this podcast out i have so many ideas now that i didn't have before on my own personal sort of uh production and we've talked in the past about 
wanting to sort of build that. And we still want to build that here as a community. But even uh, I've got a project in the work works that I'm not really ready to sort of announce Ooh, yet. I don't even know about this. You don't even know about this, but I've had the idea because of what we're doing here. Mm. And when it's ready to go, I'll bring it, bring it up. But the fact is that once you start actually putting stuff out, it's the context of where you are and it gives you sort of like something to step on, something solid to leap off. Yeah, and I think whether it's confidence yeah. or positioning, you get more comfortable with the tools. And I think to carry that a little bit further is that when you put it out there is that you're opening up the opportunities for conversation and for you to talk to people. And the great thing about just talking, whether you're talking to yourself, you're talking to someone else, like we're talking right now in this podcast or you're writing in a notebook, is that people think through talking and you process it you you, and, you understand your own thoughts that you might have technically had but hadn't aligned into action yeah exactly and that's i think that's what's happened with you in this podcast and when you're putting all of your art out on social media you are increasing the opportunity that there is going to be a conversation about that art and then when that conversation happens you're able to rationalize and process your thoughts in ways that you wouldn't have otherwise yeah and that's completely separate to success or visibility even. It's just, it's, it's a direction, right? It's it's a vector that you can follow that gives you something to grip onto, that gives you confidence that something that you're doing is increasing the likelihood that your preparation will meet opportunity because you've got a conversation happening, you've got a platform and you're saying stuff. It might not be the right stuff yet or at the right time or to the right people, but it's 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 really... It is a breaking down a barrier between silence and a conversation. Yeah, totally. And th this is a little bit something from from self-help. And that is that once, and, and sort of what you said where you've just got to start and get going, is that once, I think we might have even talked about this on the podcast, is that once you start doing something and you just keep doing it forever, it's going to grind really, really slowly. It's going to take you forever to sort of grind some things out. But over time, as you keep grinding, things will keep going further. And eventually you start to go upwards and you go upwards a little bit faster and you go upwards a little, little bit faster and suddenly you just spiral upwards. And that's something that I've personally noticed in my own life with things that I've done. And it's something I've noticed in people that I've followed online where they just suddenly spiral upwards. And it's from this really long-term persistency and that's, that's something that applies to social media that I'm currently trying to do where I'm really just trying to keep my social media uh, engagement high. I, I'm not really successful at that at that point, at this point, but... It's not really about the success right now. Yeah, yeah. It's about, it's about the, the actual act of doing it yeah. and getting used to doing it and being able to move fast when you see those opportunities arrive. Um Starting really is the hardest part. And something that I've noticed through this entire process is, and by this entire process, it, we're still at the very beginning of it. Like we did go into this whole uh, period which this podcast is an emergent of as sort of like a project to see what happens. But even so, we're at the early stages and I'm learning things and Advice like starting is the hardest part used to hit me pretty blase. I used to think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, starting's the hardest part, whatever, whatever, whatever. 
But once you start, once something's in motion, you spiral upwards. You spiral upwards. Like you, you, you start making mistakes in a direction, mm. which is way better than what you were doing before. You fall upwards. However, that works. Reverse gravity. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're you're being abducted by the flying sorcerer of success. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like. I think uh, I think we could probably do. How would you feel about doing another episode entirely around social media strategy? Maybe bring in some examples of what we've noticed that is that goes well. How people tend to flame out. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, I think you and I will actually have to do some research for the first time uh, going into one of these podcasts. <laughs> and here's where I think Jaden and I are the angel and devil on your shoulder because. Jaden wants you to do social first and be present. I want you to have the portfolio first. Ooh. I'm leaning over and saying, if you've got the work, when you start talking, people will listen. He's leaning over and he's saying, if you start talking, people won't care if you can prove it because they'll know you. <laughs> yes, but I think you're being a little bit contradictory of yourself. Not not entirely, you but think? no, no, no. So, with say this podcast is we are starting this this is a documentary process if you start your social media and then you start your you start your art journey and you use your social media to document your art journey once you have gotten good once you've got a, a you know a portfolio you've already got a base of followers and people can see that sort of journey that you've been on and people love the crap out of that people love seeing uh i was here sorry yeah look i don't think i'm being self-contrary because i think that starting starting has a lot of different meanings starting is doing the work Mm. starting is starting to document starting is starting to do social media starting is you know, those flash animators before YouTube who are now actually working animators from making all of those really bad flash cartoons and games back in the early 2000s. Yeah. That's starting. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think your friend, your friend on the Flip Normals podcast, he came in having worked for Digital Domain for however many years. He had a background in work. He had something to say already, which is why he, he, could, he could come in and tutorialize because people trusted that background. Which is, which is, to your point, why when you don't have that, you need to document. Yeah, and I think that it, it's it's probably preferable to use, even if, because you don't want to like go overboard and burn yourself out too quickly, where you know you can just start with Twitter and you just do like little daily updates on there. I'd say it's more or less the same as just using a notebook to kind of write and rationalize things to yeah. yourself. And, and and it's 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 thinking of how to document that information in a way that could be useful later, not necessarily knowing how it will be useful, but just knowing that it could be. And again, movement is better than stationary. You can't steer a parked car, so even if you're driving in the wrong direction, you've already started the engine. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've 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 come to a bit of an agreement on there where it's like. You know, maybe don't start try building just a general social media platform where you just comment on every single thing to get followers for the sake of it. But you know, also at the same time, do do one small thing that you can commit to that is sustainable. Yeah, and that you can add things to as you go as they become 
realistic. Yeah, because I think that spending, say you spent a year just getting good and you've got this portfolio and you're like, yeah, this is kick-ass, right? And then, and then you go, okay, cool. Crickets. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, literally, then, then you then you go out to, to put it on social media and it's just like, creak, 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 creak. And, and that's soul-destroying. You could get the same response to an entire portfolio that took you a year to put together as somebody gets on a TikTok that took them 30 seconds. Sometimes it's just the luck of the algorithm and like someone blows up and you're just like, damn, I want that, yeah, please, please. That's a closed garden. And that's actually saying that, do you, do you know Matthew Inman? Um, the guy who does the oatmeal? No. It's, it's a very popular webcomic that he started... He got really popular because he did really good SEO because he used to work as an SEO guy on websites. And so his website was always at the top of Google results. And so his comic got really popular. Right. Okay. Then social media came through with algorithms and gated gardens. And he's noticed that he started to lose that traction because of it. And he's actually starting to focus more. And this actually ties into what some of the stuff that I might be trying to do a little bit in the future but he's actually been focusing more on his email mailing list and using yeah. social media to drive people back to his own platform. Yeah. So he says, hey, I've got this great comic. Come over here to read it. Or, hey, I've got this great comic. Subscribe. It'll be just as convenient, but you'll actually see it. Yeah, and that's, that's something Andrew Price has been doing as well, where he's got a mailing list as well. And it's just... It's just one plug we've i think we've talked about this before at least in private where you if if you want to make money online you've got to have as many revenue streams as possible so you've got like your youtube channel you've got your instagram twitter then you have like some courses that you plug on there and then you've got like 3d models that you sell and another thing is you have your mailing list as well and that plugs out into everything and i think that's the core of it for me i think I haven't come up really with a social media strategy for myself and my art yet. I'm sort of just trying some stuff out, but I think coming back to something that you own, that you have control over, that you can take to the people who you know want to see it because they have voluntarily said, yes, I would like to see this. It's about getting visibility somewhere else, but then bringing them back to your platform. Yes, yes. That's that's what all the really good... Um, all the really good say YouTubers do is that you gain visibility somewhere and you use that visibility to plug into your, you know, whatever it is you have deemed to be most profitable for you to do. It's not even necessarily about profit, but that is where the profit would live if it is. Yeah, I was using and profit more. Yeah, vague. I, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying that it, it exists in a community aspect and where the community is and where the people who are excited about what you're going to create are, that is where you will find that. And that's when you start focusing on the small community rather than the global community and you start providing things to them that they actually want. That's when it becomes less manipulative. That's when it's not advertising. That's when it's a service. Yeah, yeah. And I think for a lot of those, I just keep using YouTubers here, is that they have a community around around them it's not just mm. like they're they're just shoving things in people's faces but they actually have a community where they interact with there, there of course comes a point where their community grows so large that they just can't 
they can't keep track of everybody. I think that's the trap. I think I think that is the trap because everybody wants to blow up on social media, right? But I think there's a sweet spot. I think if you get too big that you can't interact, you're at the whim of the algorithm again. Yeah, well, that's the thing. the The algorithm preferences uh, people that interact because it what what the algorithm wants you to do. I think this is cross platform. Is it wants you to it, it, it wants you to get people to look at their app or their platform or whatever. And so when you, the content creator, replies to someone or likes something, that's going to make someone pull out their phone and go onto the, to the app or the social media platform. And that makes you quite favorable. And that, that, that's exactly right. And, but I, I actually think that, I think YouTube is not necessarily the best example, actually, because YouTube does have an algorithm and YouTube is their platform. You don't own anything there. They could flick the switch tomorrow and you're done. Yeah. That's, 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 um, I think it's Kate Atkins or someone who was doing those, uh, animated, he was doing, uh, animated summaries of movies in a very funny way. And he got very popular for that. And I think he got flagged as kids content, which means he got demonetized, Oh, which meant, which meant that he had to, you know, get a petition signed and be loud on Twitter and get enough of like a, you know, power behind his words to go to YouTube and be powerful enough to say, re-monetize my content. This is not kids stuff. Yeah, right. That is... What a pain in the ass. Poor and, dude. And the power imbalance there is crazy because it's just one person who came to work. He had a list of things to review and he's working down that list. He flicks one button. He, you know, he swipes left or right, you know? And then it destroys somebody's livelihood. Yeah, yeah that's... I think that's a problem across probably most platforms, but it is something that's definitely very prevalent on YouTube because it is very specific in the way it treats kids' content. Yeah, and and that's that's an interesting place to get into. And yeah, I think totally. that's possibly a bigger topic because I've got some opinions there, um, which I think, which now having sort of processed it by talking out loud, I don't think we should do how to social media as a pod topic. I think if we're going to cover social media... I think it would be like how to monetize and how to how to like what what yeah. we think of all of these uh, services from an yeah. artist's point of I mean, view because that's we more can do- we can do a bit more, more research on that and figure out what we want to what we want to do for you know that sort of topic I suppose yeah and look in the light of just sort of wrapping up today's sort of dual topic do you mind if I go a bit literary go for, for a moment and read out a Goethe quote it just came to my head when we were talking before. And it sort of has a double meaning here. And I just thought it was kind of funny to bring in. Uh, Knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. Or as Yoda says, there is no try. (laughs) You must do. No, what what is it? There is no try. something along those lines. Do or do not. Something like that. I think it's do or do not. There is no try. Ah, yes. Do or do not. There is no try. Bit of Frank Oz there. Yeah. I mean, if we're quoting stuff, how about Robert Heinlein? Uh, a human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. But whatever you do, just get good. Follow us on social media, please. Bye. See ya.
I saw something about something and being like, ooh, privacy. Yeah. And that's so like it. a Russian a Russian media company actually bought the source code for Audacity. Right. And uh, so the the version you're using is fine. It's only like the newer versions that you download. Mm. But we probably need to have a bit of a conversation about maybe moving on to something else unless you like the idea of Vlad having a bit of a sticky. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, he can just go to uh, geekgood.cg if he wants to listen to it also. Fucking, let's go to something else. <laughs> if he ain't going to give us the views, we ain't going to give him the clicks.